Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the Thanksgiving episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, for Week 12. And as always, we are here to answer all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. And today we have one of the great people in the industry, my good friend and a guy I've seen grind his way to the top where he is right now, the sports betting manager at Bet Spurts and 4 for 4 football. He does the Move the Line NFL podcast, which is a must-listen. I listen to it every time I'm cleaning my daughter's room throughout the week. Follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Noonan, the great Ryan Noonan, joining us on the road of his mailbag. My friend, how you doing? Mike, first time, long time. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of this show and what you do. I love the nature of how it's a little bit more, uh, you know, it's not just football. We're not just handing the dirt here. You know, I think you get a little bit of learning about the guests through the years of, of listening to the people that you have on. And I really appreciate that. I think it is uh, very organic the way you do it. And I'm very honored to be your guest this week. Yeah, took it over. Colin Kelly and the guys here at Rotoviz. I keep saying like George Costanza, I'm waiting for them to change the locks on the doors, but they keep <laughs> having me back. And I just followed the great Jeremy Hart with all the questions that he's put forth and try to make it a little fun. And this one, Ryan, is a super fun episode because it's Thanksgiving. So we'll get into Thanksgiving sides and pies and this and that. But first, let's start off, man. You just announced you're now the full-time sports betting manager at BetSperts and 4 for 4 Football. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest, man. You're one of the best in the industry. Talk about everything you have going on there. You guys are killing it. So much great stuff. What's going on for the, for you personally and for the site as well? I really appreciate that. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we got started of how we, for years, just grind in the off hours and grind when our families are asleep and the opportunity has presented itself to take it to the next level. I mean, we're really lucky to be associated with a brand that's as strong as 4 for 4. It's been around for two decades in the space. Definitely. There's just don't have a lot of turnover at the company. Uh, people come and stay uh, because the owners take care of their people and uh, it's very easy to work with. Everyone that works there, the vibe is fantastic. Uh, Betsports is an exciting new entry in the space a couple years ago. And, you know, getting in there, if you haven't downloaded the BetSports app, check that out. Great place to track your bets. You can get free content there. Lots of great things going on. We're really starting to try to, to build that out in unison with the Fantasy Life app, which was started by Matthew Berry years ago. If you don't have the Fantasy Life app too, like that is the first place. They beat yeah. Schefter sometimes with news. Like it is a, mm -hmm. a huge edge uh, in the space, especially in the betting space where you need to act really quick before these books pull props and things like that. Uh, so just kind of merging the three properties together, expanding all that we're doing at 4 for 4, which has been a football-only brand for years, really trying to leverage the betting space. As we know, it's kind of the wild, wild west out there, uh, getting into different things last year in the golf space, in the NBA, uh, trying to continue to get into the college sports thing. So that's kind of my job is to continue to expand on that and to help us merge those three products moving forward. And just really honored after grinding for years, Mike. I mean, I, I never really thought, to be honest, that full-time was an option for me and my family. I had a nice little gig as a uh, you know digital marketing guy for years and was mm -hmm. very happy doing what I was doing, grinding the sports thing on the side. But there's more money involved in uh, in the betting space than there was years ago in the fantasy space. And uh, these companies have uh, money to spend and invest and uh, happy to be along for the ride and continue to elevate a, a strong brand like 4 for 4. 
Uh, that's great, man. And I'm excited for you. There's no doubt in my mind that this was going to happen. And to see it happen is inspiring for all of us that are grinding here. So that's great, great news. Let's talk about Thanksgiving tomorrow. I need to know. I'm cooking the turkey for the first time in the Ooh. history of my family. That, my friend, is going to be a disaster. But I'm curious, what do you do for Thanksgiving? And what's your favorite side? This has been quite a push-button topic over the years on the mailbag. Right? Uh, food Twitter gets, uh, you know, they come out of the woodwork uh, <laughs> big time this time of year. Everyone's got takes. Uh, none, none of them are, are lightly held. Uh, you know what? I married into a, a great family, Mike. I married into a uh, you know half Italian, half Middle Eastern family. It is ah. a huge family. Uh, they love sports. They love football. I got a bunch of brother-in-laws that are right around my age. Uh, you know, the grandmother where we have the the event at. Like she's watching, you know, Dodgers Diamondbacks on a random July night. Oh, that's you amazing. Know, like, <laughs> this is just a sports family. So like food family and football. It's very very organic there. So uh, we will be there uh, with all of that crew, all the little ones running around. I got a couple of my own that keep us very occupied. Uh, sides, you know, this might be a hot take. I love Thanksgiving, man. I, I wish I the turkey's not great by itself, but like I wish this meal was just more mainstream. I, I love you, first of all, you can put gravy on anything. You put gravy on the entire plate and it just kind of like everything is just a boat to get the gravy into your body. Whether uh, it's my wife makes these pop ups. It's, there's like a like a bread roll, but I, it's really understated of how good this thing is. You just nice. you can soak it in the gravy. You can use it as, instead of a fork to get the mashed potatoes in your mouth. Uh, give me anything. Give me some uh, good sweet potatoes, too. I, I love all of it. Just no cranberry and no pies. Mike, I'm not a pie guy. And I know that that's. Oh, okay. I don't like pie crust. Uh, we make this dessert that's um, sorry for you know any kids out there listening. It's called Sex in a Bowl. It's <laughs> it's literally it's chocolate cake mashed up into like little pieces. We put pudding on top of it, whipped cream, and then Heath topping, like crunched up Heath bars. So you get a little bit of that like texture, and it is yep. literally Sex in a Bowl. It is a fantastic dessert. You can keep your pie. You can keep your pie crust. Your apple pie. Your pumpkin pie your pecan pies. Uh, give me sex in the bowl. I love when the guest sets up the title of the show. So I don't have <laughs> to think of one. I wish I could think of a fantasy player and just put <laughs> sex in a bowl after that. Cause that's the title, but I don't know if I could do that. And I certainly Ryan can't do that for Chicago, Detroit tomorrow. Uh, the game is on people. I hear it on uh, the radio out here in, uh, in, on XM in, in New York are talking about how terrible this game is. And you're watching it only because you're forced to, but I think there's some storylines, right? Matt Nagy, is he coaching his last game? That room is uh, out there. Andy Dalton's going to start because Justin Fields is banged up. If the Lions are going to win, I think this is a golden opportunity. The spread's three and a half. David Montgomery is back. DeAndre Swift catches seven million passes regardless of the score. <laughs> so where is the value here? What do you see happening in this game? And where's the fantasy value here, Chicago, Detroit? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is probably, if you look at the schedule, their remaining games for Detroit are home against the Vikings, home against the Cardinals and the Packers. So boom, three playoff teams. You can cross those off. And then yep. they're on the road in Denver. Then you got Jared Goff in his tiny little hands in December <laughs> uh, in Denver. That's that's a hard pass. And then we got road games in Atlanta and Seattle. And while they don't have a lot to play for, like no one wants to be the first team to catch an L against the Lions here. So this feels yep. like the last one on the schedule for Detroit. I still don't know if they can get it done, though. Um, 
gosh, like fantasy wise, I mean, I, like you said, the running backs are probably a good play. The quarterback situations leave a lot to be desired. I don't know that we know anything around like Allen Robinson yet. You know, maybe yep. a decent day for for Darnell Mooney or something like that. But uh, I, I like that it's the first game because it's just kind of on in the background while the day is getting started at, and maybe, you know, the food's getting prepared. And maybe you're even in transit to your destination where you don't feel like you missed a whole bunch by missing, you know, 10, 15 minutes of this game. But, uh, you know, we'll find a way to get some action on it before things kick off because we're degenerates and that's what we do. But, uh, man, I like that it's the first one. The Cowboys Raiders. You know what? It shocked me, Ryan, is that Aaron Rodgers has ruled out a couple weeks ago. The betting line moved six and a half points. Amari Cooper ruled out against the Chiefs, and the line doesn't move at all. And I'm not saying Amari Cooper should move the line multiple points. Could we get a half a point of movement with Amari Cooper? He is out for this game with COVID. Cowboys are coming in. They certainly need a win to keep their playoff spot going here after that loss to Kansas City, which was a game that really never materialized as we thought it was going to. The Raiders, to me, man, I can't figure them out. Brian Edwards, I never know when to play him. <laughs> I picked up Kenyon Drake in a seasonal league. He had that sort of spurt there when Gruden was let go. He went R- PPR, RB9, PPR, RB11, RB11. Of course, the last two weeks I play him as a, as a flex, RB45, RB44. What are you looking at here? Is this a Cowboys romp? Do they get back? Do they, they right the ship here? Or is this Raiders team going to be feisty on Thanksgiving? Did you pick them up in the fishbowl? We're in the same fishbowl division. And I, last I, ch- I think you're killing it. Aren't you killing it? Let, listen, let, let's not. Uh, no, 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 know, no, 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 no. Don't give me any self. Uh, um, de- 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 no, Ryan, if you look at my record, <laughs> I've been horrific in fishbowl. I won a satellite to get in four years ago. Since then, my record's got to be 30 games below 500. It is going very well. I am whistling through the graveyard because I don't want to jinx it. I lost last week because I didn't start Brian Edwards over me, Cole Hartman. But yes, it is going well, my friend. Fingers crossed. I do not have him in fishbowl, but I'm just whistling in the graveyard (laughs) because honestly, this is an anomaly compared to my Scott fishbowl history. But go ahead. Now, I'm with you, though. I'm not really sure who the real Raiders are, to be honest, right? Like they've done this a lot lately. This is this like continued early season exceeding expectations and then come mid-October the wheels fall off and I know that this season is a little bit different right the off the field stuff has been relentless and I think would have been obviously a struggle for any team Um, I mean the rugs thing obviously the whole situation is just incredibly sad Uh, you know how that impacts the locker room probably even more than we could possibly understand, um, yes. you know, but then when you get on the field, it's obviously started to trickle down in the performance and they're really middle of the pack and everything. They're 21st in offensive EPA, 20th in defensive EPA. They're not really good at anything. Uh, Carr's early season efficiency, I think is even kind of booing some of those numbers because lately he's been bad since week eight. He's had a success rate below 50%. They have a negative EPA per play and uh, he has a negative completion percentage over expectation. He has played really poorly. And again, they're starting to feel the impact of Ruggs loss on the field too. So the problem is, is that, yeah, like I agree with you that there should be some impact with Cooper here, but this feels a little inflated. Like again, we don't know in the lamb situation. I feel way better if lamb is in there because now that we're getting through the seven, Mike, like into seven and a half and eight, which we might even see steamed up here between now and kickoff because Again, both of these teams are pretty public teams, but everyone loves betting on the Cowboys. And we've seen historically, like the last few years, big home favorites are winning on Thanksgiving in these spots. Mm So Mm -hmm. um, not a lot to like here for me. I did take a prop. I I think that Tony Pollard's rushing yards is a a nice buy in the market. 
That's still, that's, you know, Ryan, that's a great call. I have started to track this year the use of the backup running back on the Thursday game yes. coming off a short week. Yep. It's been exceptionally high going back to J.D. McKissick in week two. After week one, he was a no-show. I think that's an excellent bet. Yeah, and then we also layer on that, we have obviously some questions with Zeke, right? Where he is not 100% dealing with some of that ankle stuff. So yeah, and on a short week, it, it lines up really nicely against the uh, Raiders team that is not doing a lot to stop the run as of late. Joe Mixon ran all over them in a big, big way last week. So anywhere under 40, I think, is a buy on Pollard in the prop market right now. But yeah, I mean, I'm staying away from this right now. I think Dallas probably makes for a nice teaser leg because you can get them down under the three, but just straight up feels a little bit overvalued. But I certainly don't have an appetite for a Raiders ticket either. Last game on Thanksgiving, Find someone who loves you like Sean Payton <laughs> loves to give money to Taysom Hill. Oh, Taysom Hill getting a reworked, I think, extension, if you will, $40 million over the next four years if he remains in his current role, which is the backup, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And it could be work up, worth up to $95 million if he ever starts. Yet I have to tell you, Ryan, he hasn't been used that much this entire year. But the Saints now hosting the Bills. The Bills absolutely getting smashed by Jonathan Taylor. I'd love to thank the Bills for allowing Jonathan Taylor, who was a DFS fade for me last week, to score <laughs> five touchdowns. Buffalo, New Orleans, I think it's the game of the day. How do you think this one's going to go? The Taysom Hill thing is crazy, isn't it? Like, I'd understand it a bit. If this were like a young prospect, he might he's 31 years old. I know. I, I, I understand that he's an incredible athlete, but like I feel like we're pretending that he is the first fast 6'2", 220-pound guy that can throw the football a little bit. Like, Agreed. I, I know – I mean, I'm 6'2". I'm not 220. Um, you know, I'm 41, not 31. So, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not necessarily – but I'm in the wrong field. I can get a yeah. little bit of this Taysom Hill money. I should be doing something totally different. <laughs> I'm left-handed I'm left -handed too, right? Like the, no one expects uh, that. So, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I don't understand this. But yeah, I, they're not even using him. Like, ah, whatever, it's bizarre. But maybe this week with you know uh, the Troutman injury, maybe we see some more Taysom Hill tight end snaps. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, the Buffalo thing is weird, right? So I was super bullish on this team coming into the season. I took some alt-overs on their win total coming in. I just... There's just not a lot of weaknesses. They took advantage of a really light schedule for the most part, but I don't know. I don't know why this offense is still spinning their tires most weeks. They have all the bells and whistles. Um, I think maybe we've seen just a little bit of more regression on the Josh Allen thing than we were expecting, where he you know, really ascended last year from an efficiency standpoint. The accuracy went through the roof, which could probably be attributed to you know the Stefan Diggs addition. You don't hear anyone praising Brian Dayball like we did week in and week out last year. They're running a little bit more on early downs, which, again, was part of their appeal last season where they were just kind of so pass-heavy. They would be willing to completely abandon the run and throw the ball 20 times if that's what the defense gave them. I think that's what they do here. I know that the Saints got run all over last week, but it is definitely the strength of their defense up front. They are very strong. You know, get them in the dome. Again, four and a half feels like the right side. I cannot nail the Saints at all this year. I have no feel for yep. them uh, whatsoever. I thought that they would destroy the Falcons a couple weeks ago when they lay a massive egg. So not super worried about maybe what we would consider massive home field advantage historically. So I think that the right side is probably the Bills and maybe they get it right go going forward now that the Pats have put a little bit of pressure on them. But don't have a lot of conviction in it, I'll be honest. 
Yeah, it's a tricky spot because Sean Payton's a great game schemer and he comes up with great offensive schemes and defensive. The defense, of course, is great. And then Buffalo coming off a loss, though. So, I mean, really, right. it's, it's sort of a, a no play for me, maybe some prop bets and some sit back, or, you know, relax with a beverage and enjoy while, while I'm in a, my trick to fan uh, sleep <laughs> mode here at Thanksgiving. Tennessee backfield fantasy value. I, I'm 50-50 on this one, Ryan. I knew it wasn't Adrian Peterson. I knew that at 36 and a half years old, he's not coming in and getting consistent work. But I did think it was Jeremy McNichols, and that's not true either. So where are we going here in Tennessee? Because you know the lead running back in Tennessee with a very easy rest-of-season schedule is going to be attractive. Is it really Deontay Foreman? And I'm happy if it is, but you tell me. Yeah, I think you make a great point, though, because that's why we have to parse through this is because the schedule is so advantageous. So, like, whoever really emerges here is going to have a role to be successful. So, yeah, I mean, Dontrell Hilliard stepped into the passing down, long down and distant thing last week, and they had a lot of that uh, in that game against uh, the Texans. I don't really know the McNichols situation from a health standpoint. I mean, Defonte Foreman looks like he gets the first shot here on early downs. But again, I don't feel like we have this clear bell cow role that we had with Derrick Henry being out. But again, I would still lean on Foreman first. Um, You know, what does Hilliard do when McNichols is back? Is he just kind of that last guy there? Uh, I don't think you're starting any of them with confidence, but I think Foreman, depending on your situation here, as we kind of parse through the last few buys of the season is probably worth a start here and there if you had to but again if you're alive still and it matters chances are you don't even need a guy like this but uh foreman is probably the guy you start with the most confidence for some reason i am still holding on hope that the colts make a run at the titans and this is based solely on the fact that 99% of the bets at fanduel i remember reading in august were on the titans to win this division Titans eight and three Colts are six and five Colts have played very, very well, but two games is a lot to be behind any shot here for the Colts to overtake the Titans. Or are they going to put getting cruise control and get this division title? Yeah, they think they have a shot. Two games is a lot. I mean, I'm with you like coming into the season. I mean, this is embarrassing. I'm going to say this on a recorded show that a lot of people listen to. I had such little conviction in the Titans and the Colts that I took a uh, plus eight fifty Jags. Uh, tickets wow. in the preseason okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. just because I thought it was completely wide open. I mean, I had no interest in the Texans. Uh, that Colts opening schedule was absolutely brutal and just thought this Tennessee defense had so many holes that, you know, give me something that's close to 10 to 1. That died right away. But, uh, you know, I don't have any conviction still in the Titans. I don't think we should. I mean, I what we saw last week makes sense. I know that it was kind of a bizarre game with the weather uh, with the, the Houston game, but they're – there's just not a lot to like. Now we got AJ Brown with questions. You know, Julio, they've got nothing from. You know, we don't know when Derrick Henry is back, if he's back at all. The offensive line is underperforming. I just don't have a lot of conviction in the Titans whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, I think the Colts are, if we're starting here from ground zero, all things being equal, I think they're probably the better football team. So, even though they're playing from a deficit here, I think they're alive. Boy, that waiver wire is getting thin. Any <laughs> advice you gave out this week for week 12? Any deep sleeper that maybe could pop? Maybe it's Hilliard. I don't know. But that waiver wire is not robust anymore, my friend. It's not. I think Ty Johnson is nice. Uh, he That's probably good. steps into a decent role here with Michael Carter out with the ankle injury. You know, probably splitting a little bit of the early down stuff. But he probably looks like a nice little long down and distance guy. 
And we know with the Jets that matters. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterback with, you know, with Zach Wilson, if it matters as much. But we know that the Jets find themselves trailing early and often in games. And I think Ty Johnson's actually a pretty nice back, to be honest, like side speed wise. Um, be a guy that I think is is pretty interesting to get a little bit more of a, a full time role. So he's probably out there. Cam, if you're in need of a quarterback, which you know this is one of those things where like if you're viable at this time of the year, you probably have a decent quarterback situation. But again, Cam decent schedule. The rushing upside is there. Better weapons than he had with the Pats. So I think Cam's probably worth a look if he's still out there. At under 23 years old, obviously Jonathan Taylor is the dynasty running back one. But there's been quite an argument on this podcast for who's second. DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, people still believe in McCaffrey, Barkley maybe. Where are you going here after JT as the next maybe one or two dynasty running back values? You can sell me on Najee Harris, but my first instinct when I saw this, Mike, was shouldn't it be McCaffrey or Saquon? Like uh, the – you know, McCaffrey is still in a nice offense. Uh, you know, again, I know he's been injured a little bit, but that in a sense, in a dynasty standpoint, helps because I think we have a little bit less mileage on the tires here. And that's the same case for Saquon, who's even younger. Mm-hmm. These guys are passing down beasts, and I would lean there first. I mean, I, I play in one dynasty league, so I'm probably not as deep as most of your listeners here are in, in really what's going on there. So, I again, that's kind of why Najee makes sense too, right, because he is that – just dominant three down running back. So my lean would be McCaffrey, um, but you can make a nice case, I think, for Saquon and and Najee being in the mix there. Staying with the dynasty theme, let's talk about wide receivers. Justin Jefferson has gotten a lot of push as the dynasty wide receiver one. I would think it would be Jamar Chase, and some people have even mentioned C.D. Lamb because they have concerns, and I've had truthers for A.J. Brown who still are not letting that go because they feel he has such a high target share in that offense. Dynasty, top couple wide receivers, where would you go? I think it's Justin Jefferson. Uh, I I think the Vikings continue to find their – they'll stumble – backwards into their most efficient offense every week. Uh, They need to be throwing the football more often. They do so with incredible efficiency. They have nice weapons. I think Justin Jefferson is a difference maker. Uh, He is able to do so on pretty low volume compared to some other alpha wide receiver ones. He leads the league in defensive adjusted yards above replacement. It's a football outsider stat that I think kind of measures efficiency pretty well. Uh, not really predictive, but a nice little descriptive stat. And this guy is just incredible after the catch. I don't know how he can't be bullish long-term. I think he has as good of a case for the number one as Chase does, even though he's obviously a little bit younger. But these two were just dominant in college for a reason. Uh, give me Justin Jefferson for sure. You are such a modest guy, but I want you to brag now. Now's the time to brag. <laughs> Who did you nail in the preseason? Who's the guy or two you said, you know, I knew this was going to happen, and it did. The one I've talked about is Cooper Cup because I just felt with Matthew Stafford we were going to the moon. little luck with that, with Woods getting hurt, but it worked out. Who are the guy that you were high on here that you said, you know what, I'm telling you it's going to happen, and you feel prophetic about? Oh, well, you know, I have been banging the Michael Pittman drum relentlessly ah, since the pre-draft process uh, a couple of years ago. I got to the point where my co-host on Move the Line, Connor Allen, uh, basically told me offline that I needed to dial it back a little bit. We. <laughs> We're, we're, I was Mike, we've been doing like an NFC West podcast and I'd find a way to incorporate a Michael Pittman take into the show um, in the preseason last year before he even took a snap. So um, mm-hmm. my piece was that I kept going back to the fact that that draft, the Colts didn't have a first round pick. They had an early second. I think it was 34. They took Pittman. 
right? They they took Pittman there, traded back in a couple picks later, I think of like 38, 39 to draft to draft Jonathan Taylor. So they mm-hmm. were on the clock and they said, you know what? We can't let Pittman go. We'd like Jonathan Taylor, who we all we just talked about him as the number one dynasty guy, but we cannot let we can't risk Pittman getting past us. But if we can get back in and take Jonathan Taylor, that'd be great. So that, to me, spoke volumes about how they valued him. And I thought that made sense. You got a decrepit T.Y. Hilton. We're talking about Zach Pascal and, like, you know, these other guys. We know that, uh, you know, that some of the other guys, Campbell can't stay healthy. I think Pittman's just a, an incredibly skilled guy. And I'm overexposed in best ball, and it's worked out pretty well. The other guy would be Najee Harris, who we talked about briefly earlier. I continued to draft him a little bit ahead of ADP just because I thought that you know, he just had that workload that seemed to be, again, he could make up for the inefficiencies of the offense because he was just so good with the volume. DFS plays, my friend, it's time. Give me a guy, value guy, that you sort of have your eye on here. QB running back, wide receiver, tight end. Let's start with the signal caller because it's a thin Sunday slate here. Only, I think, 10 games with the three on Thanksgiving, of course, Sunday night, Monday night. What are you thinking here, Sunday slate quarterback? I haven't built any teams yet, but just looking at that 5K range, there are a few guys that pop out for values. Um, if I'm spending up, I think Jalen Hurts is a pretty nice play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think down is Cam. Uh, Cam at 5'6", mm-hmm. uh, on the road in Miami. Miami struggles to stop the run. We know that Cam continues to be a vulture around the goal line. Again, uh, kind of bullish on the weapons moving forward with what he has there while he has this role. So 5'6", for Cam, makes a, a lot of sense if you're looking to spend down. Running back, always tricky for me. I'm always tempted, Ryan, to spend down at running back because, of course, you know, here at Road of his zero RB, of course, we follow. <laughs> and and I always want to spend up at wide receiver. That's just my, my own personal preference here. Where are you going at running back? Saquon's just 6'3 for some reason. I think that that mm. is a mistake. I know he didn't look great the other night. Tough matchup, though, working his way back against Tampa. That game got out of hand in a big, big way. I think you see them turn up the heat a little bit more. And again, 6'3 for a guy that should be seeing, uh, you know, five, six targets comfortably on the low end. Mike, I think that's a really nice price for a guy that when he's healthy and all things are going well, you know, he's in the high sevens to eights. So 6'3 uh, against Philly, who we like to target tight ends and, and pass catching running backs against this Philly defense this year. And I think Saquon kind of fits the bill nicely. I get a lot of questions on social media about, about the home run wide receiver play. You know, the old Deshaun Jackson from years ago, two catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. <laughs> Do you have a, uh, a target here at wide receiver that may be cheap, cheap value? Connor's not here to tell me to shut up. We're going back to Michael Pittman. I love it. 5.6 against Tampa Bay. Again, 51 and a half. 51 is the total in that game. You know, I think it's a a really a spot. Again, these defenses are pretty similar, right? They're both pretty stout against the run. They force you if you're going to move the ball to pass. And I think that that is a a way to take advantage of this zone defense in Tampa. Uh, And Pittman is an alpha. He shouldn't be 5'6". He should always be up in the mid-sixes. So give me Michael Pittman there. And tight end. God, I was beating the drum for Gerald Everett most of the year. That didn't work out. You have a tight end value here at DFS to make us happy. Yeah, same. You know what I'll say? We'll give you a little mini stack, uh, skinny stack in that game. Gronk is just 4-4 and walked back into – it's crazy. Walked back into just an alpha role last week, uh, Brady's safety net. And I think that's kind of why we saw them get back on track. Again, no Antonio Brown. But, you know, he feels really safe there and he should for a reason. Again, that is way undervalued. I think if we would have seen that usage that we saw on Monday night for Gronk and the pricing hadn't been out yet, we see Gronk up into the mid-five. So 4-4 for Gronk makes a lot of sense. 
Obviously, I have to tap into your betting acumen. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Pittsburgh, an underdog. The Mike Tomlin betting streak as an (laughs) underdog versus a favorite. And listen, last week was rough. (laughs) Down 17 going to the fourth quarter. It didn't look like the five and a half, six was going to get there, but it did. What are your thoughts on Pittsburgh, Cincinnati? Are we going for a 10th consecutive Oh, he's actually he's lost nine games in a row as a favorite against the spread, and his record as an underdog is like eighty percent since twenty nineteen. Do we go back to Pittsburgh here at Cincinnati? My lean is we do. Four and a half just feels a little too high. I think it should probably be three, three and a half. Not a conviction, not a thing I've played, but when I, you know, I try to get in the habit of I do the look ahead lines, which I think is completely underrated and valuable. Yep. I've been dying. Mm-hmm. I had all this closing line value, Mike. I-, I talk to my mortgage company every month. They still do not accept closing line value in place of payment, <laughs> which is unfortunate. <laughs> I'm going to continue to knock on their doors to see maybe one day they do. You still need to actually cash the tickets. But, um, you know, so I get a little bit of an advance notice. I thought this would come back out in the three and a half range. So I was surprised to see four and a half because I wasn't really – impressed with what we saw coming out of the bye for Cincinnati last week. Again, division rivals, second time here. Uh, Is is Cincinnati going to sweep the season series against Pittsburgh? I don't feel super convicted there. So I think anything, if you can get the four and a half on Pittsburgh's side, it's definitely where my lean is. Here are the numbers per bet lab. Since 2018, 18 and four against the spread as an underdog. That's 85%. Since September of 2019, 13 and three, 85% against the spread. As a favorite, he has lost eight consecutive games uh, against the spread, 0 and 8. So, Mike Tomlin, maybe we're going back to it. You talked about the look ahead lines. Do you have another game that you have your eye on here that kind of pop with the spread here? Just uh, any game, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, whatever you have. Yeah, my look, my look ahead closing line value that's sure to die this week is the uh, – I took the Pats minus three in the look aheads. That's now mm-hmm. like six, six and a half. So yep. uh, fade me, take the Titans because I, I, continue, <laughs> I continue to get all the closing line value and, and none of the cashing tickets uh, on those. Um, I took a couple of dogs. Dogs continue to bark in a crazy way this year, especially the last like month. It's been nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Minnesota getting three and a half in San Francisco. It just kind of feels like a coin flip game. So you're giving me the hook is a huge advantage here, I think. So uh, I like the Vikings there. Um, Again, I think they probably struggle to run the football. We talked about earlier. They kind of fall ass backwards a little bit into running or passing the ball in the second half, and I think they have some success. I also took Denver getting three at home against the Chargers. Yeah, love it. We get a divisional dog off the bye. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a full short week for the Chargers, but I think that Denver can run the ball here, control the clock a little bit, and we know – if you look at your bet lab stuff, Teddy Two Gloves as a dog oh, I, it, oh, through the roof. So he yeah. loves to cover. Um, so give me Denver there plus three. You may have answered this before now that you're full time. If you weren't working in sports, what would you be doing right now? Yeah, I was the uh, analytics guy in the background for a uh, digital marketing agency. Uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. all those different things, you know, kind of setting stuff up in the back end, make sure all the Reporting was good. Make sure all the client-facing stuff looked good. Make sure we were keeping all of our clients happy. So I'd still be probably doing that uh, for the next handful of years. It was a, a family business. Uh, it was my sister's started. She's a, a unicorn in the space. So you know, working from home has been really nice for the past six, seven years or so. So I'd probably sure. be doing that uh, and trying to grind the sports thing on the side. I'm really, Ryan, trying to get a fantasy football 
DFS fear factor or survivor going? And I've asked everyone this question. I love the answers. What's the one thing if you were on that show that you would say, you know what? I can't do it. I mean, you know what? I, I had so much like, like bravado when I read the question the first time. And the more I thought about it, Mike, there is a laundry list of things that I would not do on that show. I'm like, I mean, I would be a horrible fear factor contestant. I'm, you know, I, I'm a little bit more claustrophobic than I'd probably like to admit. You okay. get me in some confined spaces, maybe like something confined underwater. And I'm, I'm yep. out, like, I'm tapping out pretty quickly. Um, I'm probably not eating most of the stuff that they want me to eat too. And you like, you put me in like something confined with snakes and stuff. I, I give me on big brother, give me on survivor. And then yep. we're, we're talking a totally different game. I'm going to give you a person or NFL topic, and I want a one word and a quick explanation that comes to mind when I say it. Let's start off. Joe Judge. Bye. Um, how about a, he's a future special teams coach. Okay. Got We're it. saying goodbye Got to my, my, or to Joe Judge here. I, I don't think this lasts. He says things definitively, but it doesn't seem like it's sticking. Next is Russ Cooking. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Limited. Uh, <laughs> I, it's something's not right there, right? I mean, negative eight completion percentage over expectation since returning. That is like the opposite of him. Historically, he has been this efficient machine. It's something's, something's not right. I think that they should probably, uh, you know, rest him there. I doubt they do, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's limited. I don't know if you can figure this out. Cause I haven't been able to, with the injuries and the high efficiency, Arizona's offense. The word I put is Russ. He, we got Kyler doing this rust thing uh, where oh, they be. are getting by yeah. on this like unsustainable efficiency. But then, is it really like we know that Kyler is kind of a unicorn? He's just incredibly accurate. Can throw the deep ball. Can create with his legs. But if you look at it, they're kind of middling as far as DVOA. They're twelfth mm-hmm. in yards per drive. Like that is not a great offense. But again, when he's out there, they are. Checking all the boxes. It's an incredibly efficient passing offense, and uh, I think that they are a legit team when he's back in on uh, under the center. You know, when the Chargers beat the Chiefs, I was so high on them. Brandon Staley had that the great quote on Twitter, is going around social media. If this Charger team makes the playoffs, what do you think? I think they do. I think it's a yes. Is my one word because the schedule is so soft. If you look down the stretch, they do not have a lot of – I think they do stumble here this week in Denver, but there are some winnable games there on the schedule. There's enough talent there, uh, and that bottom of the uh, the AFC is just pretty soft. So I do think that they back into the playoffs. I'm all about streaming quarterback matchups in my seasonal league, so I've been sort of beating this drum here. San Francisco in the fantasy playoffs, Atlanta at Tennessee, home Houston. So my question to you, last one, Jimmy G. Sure. Be my answer. The matchup is nice. It sounds like a lot of handoffs, Mike. Uh, that, that, those matchups, they, we know they like to run the football, but again, you know, you look at it historically since he's been the starter there in San Francisco, he always is like one of the top three guys in expected completion percentage. And expected completion percentage is like that's a that's a scheme stat. That is the offense putting their quarterback in position to make efficient throws. And they've done so of late. He's playing pretty good football. So mm-hmm. um, I wonder if they start to stumble a little bit, if we see a little bit more Trey Lance. But you can sell me on uh, you know, pretty high efficiency, unlimited snaps for Jimmy. This has been so easy, sir, as I knew it would. Last question, and then we will get you out of here to get ready for Thanksgiving. 
I want the Ryan Noonan in a season bowl prediction. What's something that's going to happen, a team, a player, something that you think is coming that's going to be sort of a bold take here in the fantasy playoffs, everyone? We all love him. We're all waiting for it to happen. So I don't know how bold it is, and I'm sure your listeners uh, probably wanted him in the discussion for the dynasty running backs. We have Javante eruption spot down the stretch, Mike. Uh, Week 16 against the Raiders, week 17 against the Chargers. People are going to be hanging banners with Javante Williams down the stretch. I love Javante Williams. I have seen some sites that have rated him as a dynasty running back ahead of Dalvin Cook. Do you agree with that? Oof. Ah, right. uh, man. That is tough. Tough because of the injury issue. Right. Yep. Right. We just can't get more than 14 games out of Dalvin in any season. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I, 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 yeah, I get it. I get the wow. the the thing in, in Dynasty where people are always maybe looking a little too far ahead, um, especially the running back position because we know the shelf life is so short. But I get it. I mean, we could see it next year where Javante, or where Javante is like right into this, you know, running back two with running back one upside role pretty quickly. Folks, Ryan Noonan, one of my favorite people out here, sports betting manager at BetSpurts and 4 for 4 Football. Got to listen to the Move the Line NFL podcast. It's fantastic. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Noonan, R-Y-N-O-O-N-A-N. Ryan, it's a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, man. Thanks for joining me for a few minutes. And let's find something exciting in that Bears-Lions game. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your time as always, buddy, and I hope you and yours have a, a great holiday as well. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.